Welcome to the Beneath Sport Podcast. My name is Daryl. I'm a football fanatic and all-around sports lover. Here at Beneath Sports, we take a deep dive into the landscape of Canadian sports and the people behind it. So tune in every Wednesday when a new episode drops and see what lies beneath. The jersey, the pads, and the helmet. Welcome to another installment of the Beneath Sport Podcast. My name is Daryl, and today I have the pleasure of introducing a very special guest. She's a former athlete at the Wolf- at Wilfrid Laurier University. Is she is a strength and conditioning specialist and the founder of Training to Excel. Please welcome Elena Luciani. How's it going, Elena? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. No problem. Um, I guess we can go where it all started, Oakville, Ontario. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so I I grew up in Oakville. I picked up sports at a very young age. I come behind two older brothers, so they were quite the athletes as well, and everything they did, I wanted to do too. So I played a lot of different recreational sports, but as I got a little bit older, basketball seemed to be the one that was my first true love, I guess. The one, you know, I, I think my skill set in that was far beyond what it was in other sports. And and I do think being involved in sport and excelling in a sport really gave me a lot of confidence in different areas of my life. And I absolutely thank sport for the opportunities that I have today. So I'm excited and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I'm excited where sport brought me and how I can still contribute to it in some way. And it really, really has shaped me into the person and the coach I am today. Yeah. I think coming from like, uh, like you said, you had two older brothers. How much did that like shape you in terms of how you want to go on down in sports? Huge. And I actually give them a lot of credit for getting into the strength and conditioning side of things because when they were in university, they both played football at Laurier. I was still in high school and I was just starting to get really serious with basketball. And they were the ones that encouraged me to start putting in some work off the court. I was really good at going to the gym and putting up a ton of shots. And I remember I would go for runs and dribble a basketball for like five kilometers. But I wasn't doing any strength training and I didn't think much of it. I thought it was just the skill work I had to do. And they were the ones that encouraged me to get in the gym and to start thinking about things off the court and how it could contribute on the court. So whether they know this or not, but they've been, they were huge contributors to me going into the strength conditioning side of things and understanding Mm -hmm. the importance of taking care of your body as an athlete. Yeah. So like when you stepped on the campus at Wilfrid Laurier, did you know at the end of it, you wanted to go into that strength and conditioning route of things or? You know what? I chose kinesiology because I wanted to be involved in sport in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So in high school, I knew I, I didn't know what exactly and I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew it was sport that I wanted to be involved in. And it was in about my second year that I really started to think about coaching and training and the strength conditioning side of things. So I'm fortunate that I found that relatively early on because I feel like when I started my kin degree, everyone asked, do you want to be a phys ed teacher or a physiotherapist? (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with either of those career paths, but I'm like, there's got to be more options than Mm -hmm. just those two. So I fortunately got a really great opportunity working at a training facility in Burlington. So when I came home for 
my it, during the summer, I actually worked at this training facility, and that's really what lit the fire for strength and conditioning. And then from there, I just geared all of my classes towards that, and really kind of geared my career path towards strength and conditioning. And and like I said, that happened relatively early on, so yeah. I'm I'm really fortunate it did. Oh, that's good. I think it's like I think sometimes a lot of people graduate university, and it's like, oh, now what, right? But I think the fact that you're able to kind of figure out a focus for it a little bit early on is definitely helpful, right? Yeah, very helpful. And that's what I try to share with, if I speak with any kinesiology students now, I, I work part-time at McMaster. So yeah. I speak to a lot of kin students and I always try to remind them, you don't have to know what you want to do. Like now's your time to figure out if you know, trial and error things, you know, work in a physio clinic, work, yeah. uh, you know, volunteer at a high school, coach a basketball team. Like now's your time to figure it out right. and you won't know until you actually get into it and try it. Yeah. And I always say the same thing. I think people don't realize they always feel like if they, uh, maybe talk to someone in a certain profession that they're, they're bothering them or whatever, but people love to talk about what they're passionate about. Right. So, along those lines, like you could ask somebody, hey, do you mind if I shadow you for a day? And they're most likely inclined to be like, oh yeah, like come show you it all about. And cause it's, it's what they do day to day, right? They would love to talk about it and show you the ropes. Absolutely. I always have an open door policy. So whenever I meet a young student or a young coach, I always want to create opportunities for them, even if it is to just shadow. They don't necessarily have to kind of dive head first and be coaching and, and be super involved, but even just to be in the environment and see what goes on, I think it's super helpful. And I'm, I'm a very kind of kinesthetic learner. I learn by doing things. And so it's, it was really helpful for me to actually have experience in the gym. And that's when the switch flipped for me. That's when I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. This is amazing. But I wouldn't have known that unless I tried. So you're absolutely right. You you should always ask. And and a lot of people, you know, definitely have their doors open for mm -hmm. people to either chat with or kind of show them the way. Yeah. So uh, like, so going back to the time in terms of you being at Laurier and like hooping at Laurier, obviously you go from hooping at Laurier to transitioning to strength and conditioning. How was that transition like? Because that is always difficult going, switching identities in the sense, going from being an athlete to not being an athlete. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I really, really struggled with that. And I think one of my initial reasons for getting into strength and conditioning, I think, was to be able to, as I mentioned, stay involved in sport. But I almost think at one point I so quickly was like, okay, I'm Elena, the basketball varsity athlete at Laurier, and now I'm Elena, the strength and conditioning coach. And I'm very fortunate that I had something to kind of shift my focus onto, but I also don't think I gave myself the time to actually figure out like who I was without those titles. And I think that's a kind of a scary part yeah. that I avoided for a really long time. And I think it's still something that I'm, I'm working through and I go to therapy and I have all these different tools in my toolbox now to help me work through that. But it's a very real struggle for all athletes. My husband was also a varsity athlete at Laurier and same sort of thing. It was really challenging to go from having this full schedule of games and practices and yeah. workouts and, and being, you know, a, na a well-known name on campus and like, you know, being, this part of this, you know, this team, which for so many of us is so important to not having 
those teammates every day and not having that structure and those things in our schedule. And just beyond that, I know for me personally, I drew a lot of confidence from my athleticism and my skill as an athlete. And so I'm not going to lie, like at some points it kind of scared me a bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I don't have basketball anymore. Like, what do I have? And then I attached myself to being a strength and conditioning coach. So now I'm really trying to work on like, yes, I take a lot of pride in my title as a strength and conditioning coach and as an entrepreneur, but I'm also a human and I'm really proud of the human I've become. And it's taken me, you know, into my thirties to kind of figure that out. But I, I just, I wish this was more of a conversation for more athletes yeah. and I don't necessarily have the answer of like how to avoid it. Cause I don't think you can avoid it. I think it's something that you have to face head on and, and work through. Oh, look, hundred percent. Um, I don't think it's just like a sports thing. I think it's like just a culture thing overall. This culture of like, like you said, that you were used to having all these appointments, having these training sessions, being a full-time student on top of that. Um, but we live in a culture of being busy, right. And associating like, Oh, because I'm busy, I'm productive. I'm like, I'm doing well, I guess in a sense, but ideally there's nothing wrong with rest. There's nothing wrong with, um, I'm actually not sure what I'm doing right now. Right. And kind of focusing on, um, the process and the journey of things. Right. I think that's just like, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no. I I was just going to say it's, it's kind of scary what society has put in our heads. I, I think social media is a beautiful thing in terms of, you know, sharing some really great resources and being able to connect with people. And I do think that there's a side of social media that is very much like, this is the reality and these are things that are important and rest is important, but there's still very much this like hustle culture vibe, especially in strength and conditioning. And sometimes it's unavoidable. Like there, there were definitely times in my journey that, balance wasn't really a thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful to have gone through that because it's taught me how to set boundaries now that I've been in this career for almost 12 years. But I still, especially I think on the entrepreneurial side of things, I definitely get caught up in the like, my productivity reflects my self-worth. And I mean, that's kind of a scary thing to admit, but I think a lot of people feel the same, especially in either strength conditioning or the entrepreneurial world, it's very real. Like I feel like product, we just think productivity equals success yeah. or will get us to be successful. And I feel like it's always the times that I'm like, okay, I need to bring it down. I need to take care of myself. That's when like opportunities come up and that's when, you know, people join my course or just whatever it might be. And it's like when I'm trying less, that's when things happen more, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of, crazy how much that narrative has been pushed right like if you see like youtube videos like oh wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day and your life will be like this right and ideally like no like you're gonna be tired <laughs> like you need you need sleep right um just go back to that like hustle culture i guess in strength and conditioning like what are your thoughts on that because i think that's definitely something where it's like oh the trainer has to be there from i don't know five o'clock in the morning till like 11 p.m at night and constantly go 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 and that grind culture i guess that's going on what are your um, yeah, opinions on that? Yeah, it is. It's tough because I do think in some ways, and I always want to be careful with how I say this because there was a point in time that I think it was necessary. So when I was very early on in my career, I think it was important for me to show initiative and show up early so I could study the program and, you know, 
clean up the weights and make sure everything's put together at the end. And, and especially when I was more in that kind of like intern assistant coach position, that was part of my role. And I, and I had to accept that. That being said, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's sustainable and I don't think it's, that's a long-term thing. I think when I was doing it, I was like, I'm going to do this now. So like years from now, I can maybe create a schedule that feels a little bit more balanced. And sometimes that's easy to do. And sometimes that's actually really challenging because I see some people before and after work or before and after games or practices or whatever it might be. So sometimes I, I do have to start early and end late. And depending on your demographic, that is sometimes unavoidable. That being said, I am trying to create more of a balance because I know that I'm a better coach and I'm a better practitioner when I sleep enough and when I take time to fill my cup. And I know that sounds so cliche, like you can't pour from an empty cup, but like over and over again, that lesson is so apparent to me. And so, as I mentioned, I think as a young coach, sometimes it's like, it's okay to have to put in a couple extra hours, especially if you want to like be a sponge and soak everything up, but just know that that is temporary and that's not sustainable. And I think what makes it challenging for a lot of people, honestly, is social media because you see these people or these coaches or these athletes that you really admire and they're like, I'm up at 4am and I'm asleep at 1am because like... I'll sleep when I'm dead and like hard. And I'm like, great. I'm really happy that that works for you. But like, that's actually not the norm. I'm someone that I am a very early riser, but you better believe I'm asleep by like 9 PM. Like I'm not bragging to anyone about my bedtime because the nature of my work is, is being up a little bit earlier so I can have time to care for myself like I said, I, again, I don't necessarily have a great answer for that just because I think it is, yes, still very apparent. And there's a lot of people that believe like that's the only way to be successful. I don't believe that's the only way to be successful, but I do think that my experiences of having to quote unquote hustle and grind a little bit yeah. taught me a lot, even if that's just teaching me how to set boundaries in my life now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think of just like, yeah, I think when you start anything like a new job, new career, there's going to be a period of time where it's going to be a lot longer hours and things like that. But like you said, it's not sustainable for a lifetime, right? Eventually, at some point, you're going to have to find a natural rhythm and incorporate this career into like your day to day when you go home and everything like that. Um, develop a routine and a rhythm to things um, to have a successful, but also uh, have longevity in that career. Because if you're constantly going from dusk to dawn type of vibe at work you're just not going to be able to continue to do it 20 years 30 years down the road and to give a bit of an analogy like if we could think of it in terms of strength training and strength conditioning i can't have athletes be going 100 percent every day of the year mm-hmm. their tanks would be so empty and yeah of course if you're sleeping well and eating well that contributes to refilling it but it's not sustainable there are periods of time where the volume and the load is going to be a little bit higher and that athlete or that individual is going to have to work a little bit harder and maybe reach a little bit further knowing that they also have a period of recovery to follow. So it's just as the human body works, it's the same way in kind of the grand scheme of things. Yes, there's there's totally still like I'm, you know, eight years into my business and there's still points of time that 
I'm probably working at my max capacity, but I know it's for a short period of time and I know I'm going to get that recovery so then I can ramp up and be able to do it again in the future. But I just think it's silly for all of us to think we can go at 100% all day, every day, every month, every year. Like that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) I think you work harder if you know that there's a a limited timeline to when you have to put the effort in or might have to struggle through something, then it's like, okay, tough it through for like the week, two weeks or whatever. And then, all right, we'll go back to a little bit of a easier um, rhythm and then back and forth. Right. It's a constant roller coaster of just like how, I don't know, like maybe your productivity or your workload's going to be. And that's kind of just life in general. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like we could go off on like such a tangent <laughs> with this, but I also think people, let's look at it from the corporate standpoint. Let's say you have the day off on Friday. You probably work a little bit harder Monday to Thursday because you know rest is coming up, right? Yeah. So it's the same it's the same thing that we were just talking about. Sometimes you almost become more efficient and more productive when you have less time to do things yeah. versus when you have a lot of time to do things, you just you just be you end up managing your time much better knowing that you're preparing for something. And again, that's just kind of like an analogy, mm-hmm. you know, for someone to think about, but that's why maybe the four-day work week is coming down the pipeline at some point. <laughs> yeah, probably, hopefully, one day. Um, just to key on something that you said there, just in terms of like your early stages as a strength coach, um, and it was some longer hours here and there. So at Laurier, um, you finished being an athlete, and then you kind of segue straight into being a strength and conditioning coach there. Do you feel like right out of school where you were ready for that opportunity, or were there certain lessons that you had to learn? <laughs> I know individuals listening to this podcast won't be able to see my facial expressions, but (laughs) I definitely don't think I was in theory ready or prepared, but it's an opportunity that I knew I did not want to pass up and I knew it would teach me so much. And that's just me being really transparent. I, I was certified and had the credentials I needed in order to be in that position and execute things safely. That was obviously really important to me to ensure that I was taking care of the athletes to the best of my abilities. But let's be honest, I was 24 years old with over 500 varsity athletes. Like that is, that's unrealistic for the most experienced of coaches. So needless to say, I learned a lot in those two years there. And really that opportunity came up quite organically, to be honest. I, at the end of my fifth year, I was already working with four of the varsity teams strictly based off of coaches approaching me to ask if I could put together some programming and lead some team sessions. And then it just kind of snowballed into me creating a business plan and a proposal and pitching it to the athletics department, which I'm so grateful that they said yes, because as much as those two years were very, very challenging, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It was very, very challenging for me. And it took a very big toll on my mental health and part of why I decided to go and pursue my master's after those two years was because I was very, very burnt out to the point where it was very much affecting my mental health and it was no longer safe for me to continue at that pace. And so I'm very grateful for my time at Laurier 
And I, like I said, I learned so much. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a kinesthetic learner. I learn by doing. So to jump headfirst into an experience like that was a no brainer for me. I'm like, well, I'm going to learn something. And so it wasn't perfect, but I'm really proud of myself for saying yes to that because I could have easily said no just out of safety, right? Just being like, that's the unknown. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what will come of it. And instead I was like, hell yes, let's do this. We will figure it out. So it was messy and there was a lot going on, but I connected with so many amazing coaches, so many amazing athletes, a lot of which I keep in touch with to this day. And it just taught me, it taught me so like, when does a 24 year old female, I should say, because I was working, I was hired to work with Laurier football. I was, you know, I was working with men's hockey. I was working with all these, you know, both men's and women's teams, but I mean, that was, that was a priceless experience. So I'm very grateful for it. Was I prepared for it? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, I survived it and I, I grew a lot from that. Yeah. I think one thing you keyed on there is just like the, also like the female aspect of it. How has that changed, I guess, over the landscape of strength and conditioning? Um, I'm thinking of Laurier right now, cause I know um, strength and conditioning coach there just recently changed. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, like that's becoming more of the norm right now. Like, how do you see that happening? Like just like the female, like influence in that field. Yeah. So I'm so happy to be able to look around now and see a lot more females in positions in strength and conditioning, whether that is in a collegiate setting or in the private sector. I think in the last even, you know, five to 10 years, we've seen a lot shift Because when I was working at Laurier, I was one of very, very few. So I remember going to the OUA strength and conditioning coaches meetings, and it was myself and maybe three others, two or three others. And I will say the the strength and conditioning industry is still very dominated by men. And that's something that I'm really trying to be an advocate for to see not only more women, but just more diversity in general, because I'm honestly, I'm getting kind of sick of like, it's just all coming from middle-aged white men. And I mean, of course, like things take time to change and society takes time to change, but I also just would love to like hear from other perspectives and hear from other voices because every time a conference is launched, it's like the same, you know, 15 to 20 coaches that all look the same and they all have the same experience. And so I'm excited for where strength and conditioning is going because I think we've seen a lot of momentum in the right direction, just even with like mentorship opportunities or there's like, you know, positions that are opening up strictly for females, things like that. So I'm excited to see where it goes, but it was definitely lonely at first. But (laughs) I think because I grew up with brothers and I grew up, you know, always playing sports with my brothers and their friends. And I, I, it's, you know, when I entered the quote unquote boys club, like I actually kind of fit in like that. I I did like that energy, Mm -hmm. but I also loved when there were other women in there because there's a lot And even just working with female athletes. And there's a lot of research coming out now about training and the menstrual cycle, which is like a whole other ballgame that 
even a lot of women don't know a lot about. Mm. It's important to have advocates for these female athletes so we can ensure that we're taking care of them to the best of our abilities. And it's hard for that to happen when everyone on the coaching staff looks the same. So I'm, I'm hopeful that things continue to shift in the right direction. Mm. Yeah. And representation, it's it's huge, right? Like I think it's, it's always good for someone that's maybe going into an opportunity that sees someone that looks like them, um, talks like them. Um, they feel safe in a sense, right? Not like they didn't feel safe before, but it has a different feeling and it hits differently when you come into certain rooms. Right. So I think that's just, just super important. Um, kind of just to go back to something, uh, we went back to earlier. So you go from Laurier being a strength coach, um, taking some time off, going to Ohio university to do your master's. Uh, and then you come back to Canada and you go to York university to be assistant strength and conditioning coach, which some people may have think of being a step back. So you go from head back to school to assistant. What did you kind of learn from being in that assistant role per se? I was actually really excited to accept that role because it was with a coach that I had connected with previously, Adam Douglas, and someone I really admired. So I was really excited to work alongside someone because I think in a lot of my experiences, both you know at Laurier and also at a couple of different training facilities that I was a part of, I was kind of thrown into like the head coach role relatively quick. And obviously I learned so much and I'm very appreciative that the trust was there for me to do that. But I almost felt like I kind of missed out on some mentorship in coaching. So it was really nice to be able to work with Adam and work with other coaches in a very like collaborative way. And he gave me a lot of responsibility and I was very much able to coach the way I normally coach. But it was also just really nice to be writing a program and be able to bounce ideas off him or discuss things. So that very much honestly wasn't a step down for me. I feel like it was a step up even just in terms of the financials, if I'm being completely honest. And so, I mean, again, that that experience at Laurier was a bit of an anomaly because I I don't think that generally comes up like my journey (laughs) is very, you know, um, a squiggly line. But again, I learned so much from all these different experiences and all I'm really open in sharing this, but three days before I started at York University, my dad uh, very suddenly passed. And so I'm actually very grateful that I had a concrete role with someone that I can lean on for support going through that because I probably shouldn't have started when I was supposed to, you know, three days after my dad's funeral, but that's just kind of the way I operate. So to have Adam to be there to like lean on and also other coaches to be there to lean on for additional support and being able to kind of like ease into that role was very important for me in that point of time. And I'm really grateful for that. Oh, that's, yeah, that's amazing. I think just like one, one theme I'm seeing overall is like, even at that age, very aware of, um, I guess becoming aware of like yourself, but also like your surroundings and environment and things like that. Like, being able to say at, I guess, 26, 25, when you were like, all right, let's go back to graduate school. Like, this is too much. I may burn out. Like, that's something that's, especially at that time, wasn't really spoken about. You hear about more now with like things like Simone Biles and being able to like, actually, I'm not in this. Like, my head's not in it. Like, let me take a step back. Um, so I guess like kudos to you in that sense, because it's like, yeah, I think it's a lot of athletes, a lot of trainers, a lot of uh, people overall are being like, okay, let me take a step back here it's not a negative to do that and let's recoup rebuild and let's go forward right 
So I think that's definitely something I've been seeing overall. Yeah, thank you. The awareness piece is something that I've really, really worked at and it, and it takes a lot of time and going back to our conversation about kind of leaving sport and entering strength and conditioning, it took a lot of awareness for me to be like, oh my gosh, I am pulling all of my confidence from basketball and now I'm pulling all of my confidence from being a coach. Like I, and, and I had to actively take steps in my life to take a pause and say, okay, I'm recognizing this and I have to do something to change it. And I was actually having a conversation today with one of my athletes in life and she was sharing small wins from her past week. And she was a little bit discouraged because she feels like some of her wins, she was like, oh, I was, you know, supposed to do this and I was thinking about it, but you know, I, I didn't act on it. And I kind of paused her for a second. I said, the fact that you're aware of that thought of, you know, something that, you know, you wanted to be doing or something you wanted to take action on. That's the first step because there's a lot of people that go through things on autopilot and they could be doing all the right things, which in theory is great. But if you don't have awareness around it, it loses some of its power. So I would rather someone take smaller steps and become aware of something. Perhaps they're not immediately changing the habit, but they're aware of it. And then with that awareness, they're able to take action on it over time. Step by step, right? Okay. Um, so I, let's kind of segue into like what your big passion is. Uh, training to Excel. Love the name, by the way. Um, but can you kind of tell us Thank what you. that is? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. But <laughs> <laughs> um, training to Excel is a professional coaching service and it's based out of here in Toronto, Ontario. But really, I think the virtual world has expanded that reach a lot. So I offer programming and coaching for both athletes in sport and athletes in life. And I also provide education and mentorship for coaches, trainers and movement practitioners. So there's a lot that I do under the umbrella of training to Excel. But I think the most powerful thing with creating your own business and your own empire is I'm able to work to all of my different strengths and passions. Whereas I very much enjoyed the collegiate setting, but the, there were some things that I wanted to be able to do, but didn't have the space in the environment to do it. And so going off on my own has allowed me to become an educator for other coaches and trainers and practitioners. And it's allowed me to do, you know, programs for people remotely so I can work with people all over the world. It's allowed me to, you know, develop a small group strength training program to mimic what I would do with a team sport, a group of team sport athletes in the collegiate setting, but do it for all of our retired athletes that are now athletes in life that miss being a part of a team and being a part of, you know, something bigger than themselves and having accountability. So I really draw a lot of what I do in training to Excel pulls from my experience as an athlete and as a collegiate strength coach and making that accessible for, like I said, other athletes in sport, but also our athletes in life. Now you brought up that term multiple times. What do you mean by athletes uh, in life? Yeah, so I say that everyone is an athlete in their own right, and I don't think you need a distinguished playing field to call yourself an athlete. I think it's more of a mindset. I think it's more about the discipline that you have to take care of yourself and perform at your highest level. So 
a lot of my demographic happen to be retired athletes. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, individuals that I, some of them I've actually worked with since they were playing sport in, in college or university and have now, you know, now they have a corporate job in Toronto and they're still coming to me for training. But I think it's important that everyone gets to experience what it's like to live as an athlete. And like I said, it's more of a mindset. It's more about how you're taking care of yourself, how you're performing at your best in school, in work, in life, and being a part of a team. I think like we talked about it at the beginning, being a team sport athlete is one of the things that is most special to me when I think back in my last, you know, 33 years was being a part of a cohesive unit and we're all working towards a common goal and I want to provide that experience and I want to provide that setting for people that used to have it that miss it and people that maybe didn't have access to that so I like I said I like to refer to everyone as an athlete my athletes in sport and my athletes in life some of my athletes in life have never played a sport before and that's okay and some of them like I said are currently still participating or maybe used to participate. It's more about the vibe, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. I think like for myself, I grew up playing football and I always still tell people, I'm like, you can't get anything from outside of like that brotherhood, that camaraderie, right? Playing that type of team sport. And I wish everyone kind of had that, um, that feeling of like, yeah, you're always pulsing towards like this one singular goal. Like you guys are meeting in the off season, you guys are meeting at uh, over the summer um, tournaments on the road, roommates, um, and there's still guys I played football with that I still talk to to this day, right? Those type of uh, yeah, those environments, those um, yeah, friends and everything like that. And I think it's just to try to try to like emulate that vibe. Um, difficult, but I think it's something that is very unique, and I think it's something that I feel like everyone should experience in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you even said it, like, I think back to some of my teammates that maybe I don't talk to on a daily basis, but when I do, it's like we picked up exactly where we left off. It's so special in that sense, the relationships that you have with teammates, just because you go to battle together, right? Like you, you've, you go through so much adversity. You've also, you know, go through so many highs and lows and you work through it together that that never really leaves you. And like I said, I want to try to provide that team environment and that team culture to individuals that, like I said, used to have access to it or have never had access to it. So I, I'm, you know, I do my very best to create that. And I'm hoping that that's something that individuals feel when they come to train in any capacity with training to excel. So I'm excited to see where it continues to grow. That's awesome. Um, So let's talk about, so you transitioned from going to be like a university, like strength conditioning coach now to a kind of like a business owner, which is a little bit different of a vibe. Now you're like the chief cook and bottle washer uh, of the entire organization. Right. Um, What kind of significant challenges does it come being a, a business owner compared to just doing just a strength trading by itself? Loneliness. <laughs> um, it is a very lonely journey. It is absolutely worth it. And I would not trade it for anything. 
But I think that is the biggest struggle, especially coming from someone who was surrounded by so many teams and so many other individuals that were also kind of working towards that quote unquote common goal, whether that was the athletics department or other coaches that I worked with. It's so collaborative. There's so much connection versus now. And again, like this is not a complaint because I love what I do and Every time I feel like I'm struggling a little bit mentally, I'm always reminded of why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm very grateful for it, but that doesn't necessarily make it easy always. So it can get very, very lonely, and a lot of times you feel very isolated, whether that's you know trying to navigate maybe something that didn't work out, whether it's how you market something or launching a product or building a service. There's not, I mean, my husband, God bless him, he listens to all of my ideas and tries to give input, but he also like, he's so involved with it, but he also doesn't know the inner workings the way I do. And it's the same way with friends and whoever's in your support system, no one truly gets it. And that's not always the best thing, but sometimes also a good thing because it's very much something that... I've built and I've grown and I'm really, really proud of that. And I'm hoping at some point, and I'm not sure in what capacity and what it would look like, but I could build a team of my own. But I will say being an entrepreneur is not as glamorous as some people on social media make it out to be. So the the loneliness aspect is definitely a challenge. And it's something that I think I'll always struggle with a little bit at certain periods of time. But again, I'm super grateful for the experience and I really wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So it's not the answer I thought that was going to come. I thought it was going to be more just trying to balance everything. But I think, yeah, it's like mm. you're balancing everything, but you're also balancing everything by yourself, right? And having to factor that in and you don't have like when you work in a corporate setting or if you work in uh, a university, there's there. Yeah. There's other departments that you have to collaborate with. Um, there's people to go to um, upper management to talk to you. And then now it's, you're now the upper management and now you're talking to yourself. Right. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's definitely interesting, but awfully, hopefully like you have that flexibility that um, you didn't have before. Yeah. And I mean, I think what I was referring to the loneliness, it absolutely ties in everything you just shared. So it's, you know, when you're trying to navigate a dilemma or a challenge, it's like, there's not someone that's like, oh, um, you know, reach out to HR, reach out to this person and they'll help you. When it comes to my finances, this is something that entrepreneurs definitely don't talk about or society doesn't really talk about. But, you know, I have to think about how I'm investing for my future versus when I was at York, conveniently, a nice chunk of my paycheck, every paycheck would just go into a savings fund, an RRSP and a Lira, all these things that I've now had to learn on my own and figure out how I can do that for myself. So it's like, not only am I constantly trying to improve as a coach and as a practitioner, I'm also trying to improve as a business owner and streamline things and make things work and automate things. And yeah, so I think that all kind of ties in with the loneliness aspect. (laughs) hundred percent. Um, so talking about your business, you're from Oakville. Um, so you go to Ohio and you come back to the Oakville area, but you decide to grow your business like in the city in Toronto. Um, what was the decision beside that to kind of settle roots in the city, um, and grow your business from there? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an easy answer to say that there's a lot of opportunities being in the city, just sheer volume of people and different outlets and different gyms and environments and spaces. 
And not to say that Oakville doesn't have that because I actually coach in Oakville two days a week because I have a handful of people in that area that I still work with. I think moving to Toronto was more from a personal side of things that I think impacted my business in a positive way. So my husband and I, you know, about five years ago decided to move to the city and we thought to be honest, it was probably only going to be for a couple of years. We were like, yeah, let's just like have some fun living downtown. And then we really fell in love with it. And we're now in an area where we can absolutely see ourselves staying for the long term. And it's really special to be able to grow a community in an area and see those people, you know, day to day and run into them when you're walking down the street. And again, not to say that that wouldn't happen in Oakville, but I just think the city, you know, your walking distance to so many awesome things. You're surrounded by so many people, which not everyone loves, but I <laughs> seem to like it. Yeah. And like I said, there's definitely, I, there's aspects of Oakville that I love going back to. My mom still lives there. So it's really nice to be able to go and it feels like I'm going home. Like it feels like it's kind of bringing me back to my childhood a little bit. So it's almost nice to have that separation. Like I still have that place to go back to. Mm -hmm. And I now have my own environment to grow in. So like I said, I still coach in Oakville. And the nice thing about the city is that it's so much access to different things and to different places. And a lot of what I'm trying to do with my business in the future is grow it in the virtual sense or in the online space, because I just think like the reach is so cool when I'm able to work with someone on the East coast or the West coast or in the U S or, you know, across the pond or whatever it might be. I, I think that's a really cool way to be able to scale a business. And so as much as I love being able to grow in one area, I'm also looking to grow much beyond, you know, the GTA. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one factor that kind of COVID brought in. Um, a friend of mine, he's a dietitian in the Toronto area. Um, I actually had him on a previous episode, but he was basically like, yeah, it sucked. I couldn't really see anybody, uh, in my clinic at all, but then boom, I got an email from like Ottawa, but now boom, I got an email from like Windsor of people like, Oh, I want, uh, some like nutritional help. Like, can you please help me? And he's like, now my reach is like so wide just by being able to do it virtually. Right. So he's like, yeah, like I have the city of Toronto here, but also now I'm able to stretch out to different places. So it's kind of crazy how things have shifted overall, um, just from a business mindset. Yeah. And what's interesting is I actually was always trying to grow the online side of my business. In my mind, it was because I was like, you know, at some point I'd love for my husband and I to be able to travel for like a long period of time and not have to just rely on you know, changing all my sessions and be able to work from a different place. And then the, when the pandemic hit, I thought, oh my goodness, I, I already have so much in place to kind of move into this virtual space because this is what I was already working at. So I, I think I just kind of took that and allowed it to snowball in a, in an organic way. And I'm continuously trying, you know, looking at how I can grow in different ways and try to improve. But I think the, the virtual space is pretty special because you're able to bring together a group of individuals that might not be able to all be in the same room at the same time in person. Yeah. Oh, it's 100%. Um, and kind of just to like bring everything to kind of together. Um, so we've talked about so many things in terms of like being an athlete, being a coach, uh, being a business owner, um, which are a lot of labels, but like beyond those labels itself and beneath that, uh, outside of the realm of like athleticism and strength and conditioning, coaching and everything like that, who is, um, Elena Luciani outside of all that? 
I recently heard the quote, you are who you were at five years old. And I think I can really relate to that because I'm quirky. I'd like to think I'm a really kind of outgoing individual. I love spending quality time with people that I love. I love lip syncing to, you know, <laughs> 2000 pop hits. Yeah. Like I, and, and I know this isn't like a pretty sentence, but I think that's something that I'm still navigating and still trying to figure out. But I often think of who I was as a kid at five. And that's, I think as I get older, I'm almost growing back into that person. Like, the one who's a little bit more carefree. And like I said, like remembers the lyrics to all these ridiculous songs and will use anything as a microphone and just wants to have fun and and feel joy and bring joy and impact people in a really positive way, whether that is in my professional setting or in a personal setting. It's like, I love giving hugs. I love building Lego. I love like, you know, and, and I think to be completely honest, just in the season of life I'm in, I don't have a ton of time for hobbies, but that's something that I'm, I'm working towards incorporating a little bit more. So I know that maybe wasn't the most like streamlined sentence or answer, but I feel like I'm becoming who I was at five years old. And honestly, five-year-old Elena was pretty cool and she was a bit of a riot. So <laughs> hopefully that's what's coming back. No, that's great. I think it's, it reminds me of like more of a biblical term, but like just having like a childlike faith. Um, you're not really worried about like the social norms or if, oh, if I'm cool or what sweater I'm wearing. You're just like, oh, I like this. And um, I like to do that. I like to do this. And you're just asking a bunch of questions and you don't, there's no shame really. <laughs> you're just doing whatever yes. you want to do. And um, yeah, sometimes I think you, a lot of adults need to be myself included, reminded of that. And like, Oh, how can I walk that out? Like day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's actually, you nailed it. That's exactly <laughs> who I want to be. It both in and outside the professional setting. I want to just be myself and I want to make sure that I do the things to take care of myself and take care of the people around me. And sometimes that's, you know, just chilling on the couch and watching Marvel movies with my husband. And sometimes that's building Lego and sometimes that's having a good cry. I don't know if there's like so many you know, yeah. so many ways to do it, but just always, just always being my true authentic self. Sweet. Um, just to kind of wrap things up, we're still kind of in the start of 2023. Um, a mentor of mine always does this thing at the beginning of the year and it's like, can you basically give a one word goal for the year? So what is, what would you put as your one word goal for the year and why? Abundance. I do this as well. So I, my word for 2023 is abundance, abundance, both financially, but also with, you know, abundance of love and healthy relationships and abundance of rest and, you know, abundance of wealth and, and all these kind of different aspects of abundance. It's not just kind of the financial piece, even though that is something I am looking to grow my business in different ways, but just, you know, having space for abundance. I feel like it's really easy to come from a place of lack. I think a lot of society teaches us to come from a place of lack and we kind of have to like rework that narrative. So I'm working at coming from a place of abundance in 2023. Sweet. Something you don't hear often. So like, I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lena, just for taking your time and just hopping on the podcast and just like allowing people to learn a little bit more about like your business, um, strength and conditioning and just you overall. So thank you. 
Thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate having these conversations and I especially appreciate when it just feels like I'm catching up with an old friend. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate your questions and having me on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beneath Sport Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beneath Sports and check us every Wednesday on all podcast platforms. See you in the next one. Deuces.